Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, Chris Fellini shares a story about being on the road. All right, so anybody here grow up in Virginia Beach? It sucks. It fucking sucks. Uh, I grew up in Virginia Beach, too, and for as long as I can remember, I fantasized about getting the hell out of the suburbs. I'd read Onto the Road, I'd read Into the Wild, I'd romanticize the hell out of the traveler's lifestyle. It wasn't until I was 21 that I finally got the nerve to do it, though. After a really nasty breakup with the girl I was living with, I packed every, all my shit up, quit my job, dropped out of school in a matter of three days. I got as far as Richmond before I realized I didn't have a clue what I was doing. It was the middle of October, I bought a bedroll, but no sleeping bag. So the first night, I slept on a roof, freezing my ass off, but at least the next morning my back wasn't sore. So I spent the last little bit of change I had on me to buy a cup of hot coffee and ate at a bum feed in a park nearby and figured out what to do from there. I wound up going down to an interstate off-ramp to fly a sign like this, looking as pathetic as I could to see if I could make any money. Unfortunately, people in Richmond aren't the most giving, and I didn't really make shit. So after a few hours, discouraged and disheartened, I headed back towards VCU's campus and hung out in front of one of the freshman dorms, bumming cigarettes from the kids who didn't know any better. <laughs> so a little bit of time goes by, and Tasha walked up. Tasha was another traveler kid, complete with stereotypical dog in tow. I brazenly asked him, dude, show me how to do this. Show me how to hop a train. Show me anything. And for whatever reason I still don't understand, he agreed to. He told me to meet him at the same spot the next day, around 2 o'clock. So I showed up. He wasn't there. And I waited. And I waited. And I waited some more. 30 minutes went by, and then an hour, and then I started to feel stupid, like I'd been had. Right as I was getting ready to go, he walks up like no big deal. Thank God. So we walked around Richmond for the next few hours, getting to know each other. He was 23. He'd been traveling since he was 16. Um, He had a bike accident when he was younger, which left him with a pretty nasty oxy addiction, which in turn became a heroin addiction. He'd spent 18 to 21 Uh, running a drug ring out of a couple different hotels with other traveler kids. But he put all that life on hold when he met the girl he was going to marry. They moved to Richmond, bought a house with the drug money. Unfortunately, though, being married to a junkie is not all it's cracked up to be, and she was trying to get a divorce. Met her a couple times. She was okay, uh, but she was straight edge. She was a militant activist doing less than legal things, so having a junkie husband wasn't ideal. He was more or less okay with the divorce. He just wanted to get it done as quick as he could and get back on the road. That night, we slept on the floor of some girl's living room that he'd met wandering the campus. The next morning, I asked him where a good place to go fly a sign was. He kind of laughed at that and told me that only home bums fly signs in Richmond. This was when I started to learn that there's a definite hierarchy to being homeless. We're homeless. We're not savages. There's a social order. There's roles in it. So you have your home bums, and these are the guys that hang out on Collie Avenue that you know, ask for a little bit of change, and they're going to be there until the day they die. And then you have your oogles. Oogles are that stereotypical image that comes to mind when you think of a traveling kid. Some dirty kid with patches all over his clothes, a military pack, and two or three dogs. You've got your hitchers and your hoppers. Train hoppers tend to look down on hitchhikers because any idiot can stick his thumb out on the side of the road and get a ride. But hopping trains is an art form. It really is. Uh, So then you've got your crust punks. That's pretty self-explanatory. And you've got your rainbow kids. Rainbow kids are self-styled hippies, you know, all about peace, love, and pot. It's not really my scene. Didn't ever really get along with too many of them. And then you have your scum fucks. So that term comes from a street gang in San Francisco, San Francisco scum fucks. 
that basically got their notoriety beating up other homeless kids while they slept in parks. These are the guys that you invite to stay the night over, only to wake up to find all your food is gone and anything of value has been stolen. They make it really hard for the rest of us to find places to crash because basically the locals don't want us around anymore. So Tasha is kind of like a scam artist, a glorified shoplifter, really. And we'd go into uh, any pharmacy with his messenger bag, loaded up with things like Crest White Strips or women's makeup that had a good return value, and then go to a Walmart or a Target and flip it. Three runs of doing that made enough money to buy Tasha an iPod Touch that he jerry-rigged into a cell phone, more or less. However, there's a limit on how many things you can return, and after we maxed it out on our IDs, we'd meet other girls that we could convince, you know, we'll buy you something if you, do, if you return this for us. There's no risk for them, so there was no reason to say no. So I spent Halloween and Thanksgiving in Richmond, sleeping in the back of this kid's apartment next to Tasha and his dog. We ended up getting a ride down to Knoxville, Tennessee, with the girl that he'd been seeing. We got to Knoxville, took a quick little ride over to Chattanooga, and ended up meeting these two girls who posted an ad on Craigslist for a ride share. We jokingly told them, you guys should just hop a train. They called our bluff, said, why don't you show us how to? So we agreed to. We got to the hop out, which is usually someplace in the woods where the train's going slow enough you can get on it, and waited for the train to come by. Unfortunately, this is early 2000s, the war in the Middle East was still going on, and all the trains were military trains with tanks and Humvees, and not exactly the kind of thing you want to try to ride out of town. So the girls needed to be in New Orleans before Christmas so they could catch a flight back to Washington. Um, we ended up deciding to hitchhike and split up into two groups, guy-girl, guy-girl, to better our odds, and kind of made a game out of it to see how far we could get. We got as far as northern Georgia before we got stuck at a truck stop. With the clock ticking, the girls split up from us and decided they were just going to go on their own. In a matter of an hour, they caught a ride all the way to New Orleans. However, for two really dirty boys who don't look like they're up to anything good with a dog, it's hard to catch a ride. Even around Christmas time, we got money kicked down to us left and right, but couldn't get a ride. Tasha had an aunt who lived in southern uh, Alabama, and she reluctantly agreed to come pick us up. So we spent Christmas in her tiny little studio apartment with her boyfriend and her and their three-year-old. They lived in Ozark, Alabama, which is about as desolate as it sounds. So we left Ozark as quick as we could and wound up in Dothan, Alabama, which is not much better. We had some good times on the road down south, like when uh, we were in Montgomery, Alabama, and Tasha faked an Irish accent, a really bad Irish accent, for over 24 hours, which got some rednecks to buy us a half gallon of Canadian mist, 40 bucks worth of Taco Bell, which is a shit ton of tacos. (laughs) And uh, their parting gift to us was a 38 special that only had a couple of bodies on it. We threw it in the river. Uh, But I also spent my 22nd birthday stuck down in Alabama behind some shitty shut-down auto store with two boxes of CeCe's pizza that the employees of CeCe's had been gracious enough to give us considering the circumstances. The saving grace through all the good and the bad was at least I was there with Tasha, who went from being a mentor to like an older brother to me. And the thing is, when you travel day in and day out with somebody, it's like being married to them. I mean, you see all the good and all the bad. And I saw the bad once we got to Seattle. We got to Seattle by basically scamming some bus tickets. There's a couple different organizations in America that will give travelers a ticket home as long as they can prove that they live there and they don't have warrants. We didn't have any warrants, and we called the girls that had made it to Washington and told them, just say you're our girlfriend, say we live there. They agreed to do it, and we each got a ticket worth 400 bucks a pop all the way to Seattle for free. So we get out there, and it didn't take long before his heroin addiction reared its ugly head. 
Within an hour, he copped a bag and got high. Wasn't the big deal, I don't judge, but that habit got bigger and bigger and bigger, and all the money we had was going to his dope habit. He realized this too, and he realized, shit, I got a kick again. So we met some kids who lived in Olympia who were willing to let us stay at their apartment while he detoxed. I mean, he sat in oatmeal baths while I smoked pot with him, just trying to get him through it. And that is one of the most agonizing things is watching somebody you love go through that much pain. So he got sober. We decided not to go back to Seattle. We went down to Portland, which is not much better. There's just as much dope there. And it didn't take long before he got on dope again. The thing that's funny about Tasha is he smoked pot, he did dope, he did not drink because only oogles drank. However, I liked drinking. So he didn't want to spend any of our money on drinking. I didn't want to smoke pot. That left one thing. The first time I shot up dope, I was too scared to shoot myself up. I had him do it for me. And he asked me three times over, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? I said, yes. So he shot me up and it was a fucking hell of a rush. And it didn't take long before I had a habit too. While we were panhandling to make money in Portland, and it wasn't bad, we made like 100 bucks a day standing out front of a bookstore and going down to their version of Granby Street. But two kids with two different habits cannot be easily sustained with panhandler salary. So we did the next logical thing. If there's any cops, earmuffs really quick. Uh, we did the next logical thing and started selling dope. So we'd buy it from these Mexicans who lived uh, further down in Oregon. We'd bag it up, put it in balloons, walk around with uh, five balloons each in our bottom lip. I looked like Bubba from Forrest Gump, and I do not know how I never got stopped by the cops. So we did that for a while, but the thing with heroin is the more you have it, the more you want to do it, the greater your addiction becomes. And Tasha became somebody I didn't know. He became a lot more aggressive, and... After a three-day meth binge, he kind of took a turn for the worse, and it was like a total Dac uh, Dr. Jack ah. Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde kind of thing where he got really aggressive and paranoid and accused me of stealing from us, from our fund, which I didn't. So I cut ties like with him, and much like uh, another relationship, I packed my shit, hit the road again. I got up to Seattle, met some friends up there, hung out with them, and ended up hopping a train down to Reno. See, the irony in all this is after nine months of traveling with this kid, learning all the ins and outs of hopping a train, the first train I hopped wasn't even with him. That was Chris Bellini sharing his story of being a traveler. Thanks, Chris, for sharing your story. I'm Deb Markham, executive producer of Tell Me More Live. If you'd like to join us or help out in any way, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, a submission and contact form, and more Storyteller podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.